Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hey, so excited to have two women with amazing testimonies joining us. Uh, Karen Austin and Natalie Corrado, uh, they both have a heart for helping women who are victims of domestic violence. They've been uh, both victims as well. And Natalie's mom, Sherry, we've talked about before, the man who was her abuser is pretty much in prison for life. And she lost her mom last year, not as a victim of domestic violence because she'd already gotten out of that. But now they both are helping uh, women with Christ at the forefront of their uh, ministries. And also, Karen, you went last year and your mom went, Natalie, the year before mm-hmm. to um, our women's conference. We've got the third Real Women, uh, Real Issues, Real Solutions. Um, we're going to uh, have a breakout year with Jesus. It's January 28th, 8.30 to 12.30. That's a Saturday, January 28th. Grace Fellowship of Lakewood. We even make you breakfast. We make it ourselves. The ladies is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And I've handpicked all the speakers myself, um, 20 years uh, plus in the business, and I know a good speaker, and so I hand all of these women and our worship leader is mind-blowing and we've made the price very um, uh, affordable angieaustinradio.com just shoot me an email we're also on eventbrite real women uh, uh, three is the conference on facebook you can find it through angie austin as well anyway we'd love for you to come karen you've been two times yes and i already bought my tickets for this oh, year the third and it will tell people what it's like oh it's wonderful i, I can't wait i'm excited i have one of my ladies that at council that's going to oh, come with me really? and and um I know she will be blessed. Uh, I'm just excited about it. Well, we've had Karen on before talking about her ministry to help women, and she wrote a book. And Natalie, Karen's a miracle to me because she was so depressed and abused every day so severely by a pastor, husband, and her children. Um, She was even teaching in the school that he was the principal for, and he'd call her in the office and abuse her. She'd pass out from the beatings. Mm. And she was so depressed afterwards that how many times did you try to commit suicide? Five. Five. Yeah, I remembered it right. Shocking. Five. And... Ne- did not want to go on until she found the Lord. So that's why you, is that Amen. why you have such a passion for helping other women? Yes, yes. I feel if I if through the through the Lord, if I can help one person, it's worth it. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. And and um, God has brought many women to us, and and I thank Him for that. And and people I don't even know that like hear through the radio, you know, oh, and right. that. I have a lady that contacts me almost every day that heard me years ago when I first talked with you. Really? That makes me feel good. And she still, I mean, she contacted me again this morning. Wow. You know, and and, uh, it's exciting. You know, I don't know her. If I walked past her, I wouldn't know that was her. But God knows. Right. You know, he knows. And and we have that spirit together. and, and, And I thank God every day for that. And you've talked, Natalie, about um, starting She's Cherished in honor of um, your mom, because it's mm-hmm. Sherry, C-H-E-R, Cherished. Um, and, uh, you know, and you, too, have a story. 
Yeah, I'm definitely um, kind of had the abuse. I didn't try the suicide thing, but I definitely thought about hurting him (laughs) um, and running. But, you know, I I really, my mom had such torturous abuse. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe she survived it. It was a miracle. And Mm. I definitely didn't, I had that torturous abuse to that extent, but not for the amount of time that she did. Mine was about five years. years. Hers was her whole life. Her whole life. Until the last 10 years when she was with you. Correct. When she accepted the Lord got off drugs and had a whole new lease on life. And man, was she a joy. Wow. Her yes, mom, yeah, she, she had a good great. 10 years with her family. Talk and I can't believe she made it to your seminar because she yeah. would make plans to go places, but yeah. she was just so tired from a lifetime of abuse that she usually couldn't really get out of bed and she'd really? spend a lot of time in bed. And it's just crazy because she would make these big plans, but she really admired Angie. Like she said, she came and, she and we talked about her at the first Angie. conference. Yeah. We talked about her and how yeah. she'd survived abuse. And we right. talked about her at the second conference. That's we right. put her picture up, remember? Yeah, I remember. Because we just lost her. She was planning to come to the conference. Yes. And she had her hair hands yes. up in the air with her whole that. family pointing to Jesus. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I wish she would have been there. You would have seen. We really did honor her. I know. We will again this year too. That's amazing. Because she, she's had a real impact on me, and I have such a mm. heart for what you both are doing because so many women out there are suffering in silence, and they don't know that there is help and that the right. Lord is there as well to help them through these difficult times, and they think they're alone, and they don't have to be. No. Now, Natalie, you also have a very successful career in real estate, and you and I have a very similar background when it comes to our family upbringing, just like right. a lot of like abandonment and, not, you know, and then mm-hmm. other family members getting involved in drugs, and you and I really pulled ourselves up up by the bootstraps and got an education. And so Dave said, you've got to share this story with Natalie because she'll really enjoy the inspiration of it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, did you know, Karen, she's also pretty impressive. How many instruments do you play? 20 what? Um, about almost wow. 40. <laughs> instruments. Oh my goodness. She's a musical genius. And wow. all of this beaten down in a life full of abuse that all of these gifts now that right. she's able to share with the world because she's been able, been able to heal, uh, you know, and that Christ gave her a new heart. That's you amazing. Know? I know, isn't that amazing? That is truly a gift. I, I can't ring a bell. I know. I know. I'm like tone deaf. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I can't that, that doesn't anything. mean I can't play an instrument, but no. it really does. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, so this woman, uh, she also had a life of abuse, and she has four children from 18 months up to teenagers. Uh, she could not afford a home big enough for her family of five. She had to leave her husband. He su- suffered from paranoid schizophrenia mm. and was abusive. That's a very difficult thing to deal with. My brother suffered from paranoid mm-hmm. schizophrenia, and yeah. it is, wow, mind-blowingly difficult to deal with a person like that. He was abusive to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he broke my nose and when I was a teenager, right. and uh, uh, they're, they're frightening. So she finally leaves. The kids are traumatized, like your kids were, Karen, when right. you left because they were abused as well. And uh, so here she is. What does she do? She goes on YouTube and watches videos on how to build a house. And they built a house. Take a listen. Kara Brookins couldn't afford to buy a home large enough for her family. So with the help of YouTube, she built one. It was her way of starting over after struggling for so long. My kids and I had been through a really tough domestic violence situation. And when we left, we were pretty beaten down, destroyed. We kind of needed something big, and we also needed a place to live. With no idea where to start, Kara did something most moms wouldn't. We just bought an empty plot of land, 
and started Googling one step at a time how to do this. Kara says it wasn't easy, but they took it one day at a time. Yeah, we had been through so many tough things that we were all kind of in a survival mode. Kara took out a loan from the bank and together she and her 17, 15, 11 and 2 year old children worked long hours to assemble the home they live in today. We were just bruised and scraped and sore everywhere. Everything hurt for that full nine months. <laughs> Kara says looking back, building a house on her own from scratch sounds crazy. It felt like a natural progression. And I think that anyone who's been through any sort of a difficult time, find something big and do it. It may not be building a house, but find that thing and do something so big that it changes the way that you see yourself. Isn't that amazing? I couldn't wow, help but think wow. of you, Natalie, when I heard that. I was like, that would be perfect for Natalie. <laughs> wow, that's exactly what we did. I mean, we took a leap of faith and bought the land. To build. Uh, to she's build, cherished. Right. Okay. And it's totally secluded in the trees. I mean, gorgeous. I was telling Karen that mm -hmm. it wasn't until year, or years, I've only lived there nine months, but it wasn't <laughs> until months after we had moved in that we finally, I hadn't really gotten a lay of the land. So we jumped on an old four-wheeler and just kind of drove the whole acreage and found this beautiful open spot, just the trees. It's just this open spot, perfect for a home. And wow. so we are, we want to build it about, um, I'm thinking 6,000 square feet. So 3,000 down, 3,000 up just to beautiful. have enough bedrooms. We'd wow. like to house 10 to 15 women to start. Just go wow. to YouTube and find out. There you go. Know. <laughs> and she has a two-year-old. What's my excuse? Isn't that wild? That's my amazing. aunt actually, um, when she was 19, she was raising two of her siblings and and she was um, she had a baby and she strapped the baby on her back in one of those little baby backpacks and she got a book from the library on how to build a house she built the house she lived in it her entire life raised her family in it and she just died last year and she never ever had a house payment her entire wow, life. wow. that's amazing <laughs> yes. isn't that crazy she right. lived in that same house wow it was so wild and like amazing. you know as it got older you're like oh you could tell it was like a homemade house you know what i mean but yeah. it didn't matter it was good enough to raise her family in yeah. you know and she hey, saved imagine all she saved right. by not having a house payment and wow. she did believe me she saved every penny <laughs> she ever made <laughs> all right so um I want to talk, Karen, for people who were listening, okay. um, with you and Natalie being inspirations in terms of being domestic violence survivors, but also not just surviving it, but like succeeding out afterwards. Um, so I guess just, you know, give us a little synopsis of what your marriage was like. And then I kind of want to go through a little bit of your testimony and how you were saved again, because that was really the turning point. Not leaving your husband, that wasn't the turning point. Right. So he was a pastor. Yes, uh, he was a pastor. And... Um you know, like you said, it was every day. Um, sometimes domestic violence doesn't happen for in home like a month can go by. Everything's okay, you know, or even months, you know. But this, for him, it was every day. And, Unbelievable. Uh, my kids, we didn't know if, if Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, who's walking through the door at the time. Is a when, when it would happen that when day, it would happen. you just didn't know And when. what triggered it? It could be anything. anything. I didn't smile. I smiled too much. Mm -hmm. I didn't agree. I didn't disagree. It didn't matter. And I went to the grocery and, store. Yeah. Right. Oh, he was, timed her at the timed. grocery store. Oh, yeah. And right. she'd get a beating if she didn't get back in exactly. Right. She'd race through the grocery store because if she got Literally, delayed, she'd yes. be beaten. And when you got out of the marriage, you said, I'm sorry, almost. 
almost with every sentence. So every I'm sorry. sentence. I'm yes, sorry. My, my wonderful mentor and friend Lois Dick. Um, she 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 worked for years to try to keep me from saying I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, I'd, my mom said it all. Did the time. she say I'm sorry all, all the, time? the time? Yeah. Wow. You know, somebody bumped into me, and I'd apologize to them for being mm-hmm. in their way. Right. <laughs> you know, I shouldn't have been there. If, right. You know, but but yes, but uh, what he did was um, every day he was was physically beating me up, and of course emotional abuse, and just to put out there personally, since I've had both kinds, I think the emotional abuse is worse. You know, the physical, the scars can eventually heal, but the emotional pain is, is, you know, sometimes I still have a few flashbacks, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's been 21 years since I escaped. But, um, but God, yeah, I I was driving to um, see Lois for counseling and um, God spoke to me that day because the night before I almost wrecked my car. I was going to do lessons and, and I almost hit the guardrails and I knew I felt I would have been killed at that point. But I, I, God helped me and I pulled to the side and everything was okay. I wasn't even thinking straight at the time. I got my composure, went on and did my lessons. But the next morning I turned literally on the, on the Kipling, from Kipling to 32nd to go to Applewood Baptist to see Lois. And God said, Karen you wanted to live last night. And I mean, it was like it was audible to me. And I said, what? And he repeated, God said, Karen, you wanted to live last night. And I just immediately bawled and realized and remembered what had happened because I'd been trying to kill myself for 35 years. Hmm. And, and that my, my life changed at that instant. And I couldn't wait to get to tell Lois and we both cried the whole time. <laughs> and, wow. and, and, uh, and my life, my, my daughter, when I, cause I was living with my daughter, I wasn't allowed to um, live alone or anything at the time. And uh, I got home and without even telling her at the moment, she saw there was a difference in me. Really? And it was, it was instant. And, and God just opened my heart, opened my eyes and, and, just renewed me and renewed my spirit in him and and i'm so thankful and i've been changed ever since that was in 2009 so is that the hope that you try to offer women that come yes. to you because you said a woman heard you on the show yes. and called you that's the you feel like compelled to to tell them to like yes. you know tell everyone about the good news about jesus about the I'm, hope definitely you know I, I spoke um at the women's prison in pueblo this summer wow and and um it was an amazing experience. A I lot never of those women have been done abused. That. Yes, some of them in there killed their abusers. They had this 35-year-old girl in there. I call her a girl because my daughters are that age. Life without parole. Mm. No chance. 35. And she killed her abuser? She killed her abuser. 35 years old. And she's been in there. Wow. Another lady told me she came in there because she shot her. He's not dead, but she shot him. But her uh, her husband, but um, he's not dead, but she's in prison. Her sons were, were four and five. Now they're 18 and 19. She oh. said they've grown up mm. in the visiting room with seeing mama. My I mean, your heart just, just, oh. It's, but I told those ladies, I said, I don't know where you find your hope, but I find my hope in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, some of them thanked me after for even sharing that with them. And, 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 um, Actually, I, I shared about attempting suicide, and a lot of them came up and told me they were thankful that I even talked about mental health issues and things like that, you know, and depression and cutting and so forth, you know. And they said that they come from the controlled situation of their marriage or 
boyfriend, whatever relationship, into the prison control situation, and there's no help for them. Mm. And I'm going, wow, wow. My heart just pours for them. I've seen in you, because we've known each other for years now, right. a change in how you talk and discuss. I mean, you're very much more open and at ease with discussing your story from the first time you told me your story. Yes, uh, I agree. <laughs> I agree. God has really worked in my life, and I thank him for it. And any opportunity I have to share, I, I'm ready. I don't care if it's in the grocery store. <laughs> I'll share it. Natalie, your mom sat in that chair right there next to you. You were both here. Mm-hmm. You're right in front of me. And she shared her story, too. Yes. And so did you. Yeah. That was, and you still have that, don't you? You saved that. Yeah, it's from your birthday. I can't forget. Oh so gosh, I have that. Right. Yeah, I think it was 2012 or 13. But I, yeah. it's on your birthday. I just yeah. got to go back wow. to that link. Yeah. yeah. And she came in and shared her story. And her mom had gotten to the point as well where she was real open about sharing it and even had Mm -hmm. pictures where she was in the hospital and Mm -hmm. her injuries were extreme. I mean, the judge said it was the worst case of abuse that he'd ever seen that Mm -hmm. went on year after year after year where he almost killed her numerous times. And that she actually lived. Most women don't live. Right. Right. She had scars and, you know, it was, it was, oof. Yes. And she'd carry those pictures in her purse and she would share them with anybody, even at the grocery store. And I, I really hated those pictures because they right. are hard to look at. Sure. But I, after she passed away a year ago in a, in a tragic 60. car accident at 60, um, but she was ready. I mean, she was closer to the Lord than she's mm-hmm. ever been. And it's like, I just trust the Lord's timing, yes. even though it's hard for me. It's not about me. It's right. about when he knows we're ready. Mm-hmm. And so I, the minute she literally hours after she passed, I said, I'm going to shred those pictures. <laughs> I got her purse oh. and I was going to shred them. But nope. I truly felt like the spirit of God told me if they were important to her, they need to be important to you yes. and to your ministry mm-hmm. and to she's cherished because yeah. without and they're in the brochure and they're at she I I don't think they're on the website yet, but she's cherished.org, but they are in the brochure and, and for people to open that brochure and see those graphic photos, I, yes. I feel terrible that they but it really does capture people's like this is real. This, this is, is happening real. every right. single day. And I'm right. already mm-hmm. turning women away from a shelter because we don't have a belt yet. Unfortunately, well, you know that Karen, because right. you get called for counseling yes. and you don't right. have anywhere to put them where do you um, tell them to go I, I give them um, family trees information and in, in, uh, Denver safe house you know the information there and, and just I pray that there is an opening for them because a lot of times there isn't oh. you know it's it's horrible it's horrible what they have to do and and I've also grown where there's there's a huge need for these ladies that are out but yet they can't afford mm-hmm. even rent. I mean, you know how expensive it is I know. here. That was it's my mom's insane. fear of leaving. Yes. You know, my mom was a victim of domestic right. violence. And she left, I think, three times. And the last time she said that she thought my dad was going to kill her and no one would be there to raise the kids. And right. she knew that he wasn't capable of doing it with his drinking issues. Mm-hmm. So she left finally because she didn't think that... Um, you know, we'd have anyone to raise us and then because they're four kids. And uh, she said she had a real peace that she felt like the Lord was giving her peace about leaving. And we did, you know, not necessarily have the best living circumstances in terms of the places we had to live after that. But, you know, she was safe. You know, he never, my dad was never abusive to me. And actually my dad and I reunited after, oh gosh, 30 some odd years. And we have a great relationship. Now I just interviewed him yesterday. And it's interesting when he talks about his life, he'll talk about his PhD. He'll talk about law school. He'll talk 
about college. He'll talk about what he's proud of the kids. He avoids talking about that 20 years of marriage like the plague. That is wow. one thing he won't bring up. Wow. When I And I'm, I've interviewed him because I want to write a book um, about three times now. And in these half an hour interviews, it's like he skips that entire, those two decades. Wow, yes. He never talks about it. And he never talks about like not talking to me all those years or anything. And I'm not. I'm not one to dwell on the past. We just focus on the positive. Mm-hmm. And um, right. so it's been real enjoyable to have him back in my life, you know. And so there is, there is beauty beyond the ashes of, yes. you know, these domestic mm-hmm. violence situations. But mm-hmm. you left because you didn't want your son to turn out, uh, Natalie, like yeah. your, your ex. Yeah. All right, Natalie, how do people find your nonprofit? Um, you can go to she'scherished.org and uh, visit our website and facebook.com slash she's cherished. And actually, Natalie's also, coincidentally, not just my friend, but my real estate agent as well. Right now, she's doing something really cool for me. You can get emails that fit exactly the kind of house you're looking for, and she'll email them to you. And she can also let you know if you're thinking about, hey, I wonder what my house is worth now. She can come over and let you know about that as well. How do they reach you, Natalie? Um, re- well, I'm with Remax Alliance, and the website is livingdenver.com. LivingDenver.com. Or GodsWayRealEstate.com. I love that. GodsWayRealEstate.com. That's so cool. Karen, do you have a website you want to give out? Uh, Advocatesforhope.org. Excellent. And uh, we're actually working on it right now to to get it up and going. And And then we're on Facebook, Advocates for Hope. Advocates for Hope. You're a real blessing. Both of you ladies love you. Thank you. you, Love you, Angie. Good news. Good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two, and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things, and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. Hey, Angie Austin, the good news. You're going to love this segment. I know you will because my mentor is going to be joining us and he... I met him about four or five years ago. He's been such an inspiration to me. And uh, we also have the good news gals here. And kind of the way we work this is that uh, Beatrice Bruno and Donna Hetzler and Michelle Betts, when they uh, have a question uh, for Jim Stovall, who will be joining us momentarily, he is going uh, um, to share about his new book. I think it's his, like, 42nd book, The Art of Learning and Self-Development, Your Competitive Edge. And uh, they'll kind of introduce themselves and ask the questions. But as we start, Jim, I just want to preface this by saying Jim speaks all over the world. Uh, He's an international speaker. In addition to having a movie studio and written over 40 books, he also is blind. So he says he writes books that he can't read for people that can. Mm -hmm. And uh, I recently spoke at Donna's conference, and I was inspiring women. And, Jim, I was blown away when I went home and read. I asked the women to not be in the victim chair of life and to give me something that um, they wanted to give up. And when I opened these and read them at Jim at home, I w- it was one of the most emotional moments I've had in my life because I didn't realize 
that people thought so poorly of themselves and that people were carrying around that much pain. As I looked at them in the audience, I had no idea that I would open these pieces of paper and see the pain. And so what you do for a living, you say that you and I are in the same business, that we're in the message business and we deliver a message of hope. And I think you do that so well. And I think there are a lot of hurting people out there. And I didn't realize how much so until I started opening those pieces of paper. Absolutely. I mean, uh, everybody spends so much of their time, effort, and energy worrying about what everybody else thinks about them. And really, the only opinion that matters is the opinion we have of ourselves. And most people need to improve that dramatically. Um, you know, um, God made us in his image, and any problems we have can be corrected. And the biggest dream you ever had in your life is alive and well and can be your future if you'll just get rid of the baggage. You know, just this week you told me, before we start talking about the book, that you had a transformational moment, like a revelation moment. And uh, you called it, it, that it caused a revolution in your life, that you and your wife, Crystal, were at the grocery store, and you didn't have enough money at the checkout, and she had to put a loaf of bread back, and you vowed then that that would never happen again. So even though you'd lost your eyesight in your 20s and you didn't get that NFL career, you thought, well, I can't see. I can go on to weightlifting, and then the movie studio and all the books, and then you did become, let's be honest, a, a multimillionaire. So that moment changed you, and part of that, I think, is your ability to Learn. So let's talk about the art of learning and self-development. What are you teaching us in this book? Your 42nd or 41st? Oh, it's, I think it's the 42nd, and it's always weird that you don't know what that is because there's books I've finished, and there are books <laughs> that are in the pipeline to come out. Last year I had five books out, and I've got four scheduled this, this year in 2018. And, you know, you never know quite, you know, is it a book when I wrote it or is it a book when – People go to the bookstore and buy it. But, you know, the art of learning is is probably one of the most significant things I've done because, uh, you know, if you took all the money, the success, the fame, the fortune, whatever it is you want in your life, and you divided it up equally among everybody on the earth, within a couple years, the rich, healthy, wealthy, successful people would be on top again, and the people who are failing today would be failing again. Because money is not the key to wealth. Knowledge is the key to wealth. And once you know how to make money, and once you understand money is a result, it's not a cause, it's a result, then you are willing and able to go do what you need to do to create that again. So learning is the key to whatever it is you want to do in your life. If you want to serve your community, if you want to make a difference globally, if you have a cause, if whatever it is, learning more is the key. You know, our, our grandparents got paid for what they did. They worked during the agrarian phase or the, the industrial revolution. They worked on the farm or in factories, and they exchanged their labor for someone else's money. Those days are gone. Here in the 21st century, we get paid for what we know. So in terms of some of the tidbits in this book, because I want to talk about one of your other Napoleon Hill-esque books as well, what are some of the tidbits in this book, uh, The Art of Learning and Self-Development, that uh, stand out to you that you get most excited about that you like to share with others? Well, first off, if you're not learning every day, you're following behind. I don't care if you had the greatest MIT or Harvard, Stanford education five years ago, you're already becoming obsolete. So if you're not continuing to learn, you're falling behind. And so many people think, well, I got a diploma. I don't ever have to read or study ever again. You know, they did a 
a, some research among the Fortune 500 CEOs several years ago to find out what do all these men and women at the very top of their career have in common. You know, are they married? Are they single? Do they have kids? Do they go to church? You know, do they exercise? What, what, what are all the characteristics they have in common? And the number one thing they had in common was that they read or listened to motivational and instructional material on a daily basis. That's the number one thing they had in common more than anything else. And you know, success is not an invented uh, proposition. It's a follow-the-leader proposition. And all we got to do is find people that have what we want and do what they did, and we will be there. I remember in the Millionaire Map, you uh, released all your finances because you said, why would you want to emulate someone that doesn't have what you want? And if you want to emulate someone in terms of success, financial success, wouldn't you want to know whether or not the person was actually financially successful? So that kind of gave me a giggle that you gave all your you know, info out because you said, why, you know, why would you want to trust me uh, in, in me telling you how to be you know, uh, fiscally uh, responsible and financially uh, successful if I'm not? Ladies, do you have any questions? Yeah, I have one. This is Donna Hetzler. Hi, Jim. Hello. Um, so uh, I was reading through your book, and I really like the statement of don't chastise failure. And as women, we tend to beat ourselves up so much. So can you expand on how we might go about not being so hard on ourselves? Well, you've got to realize fa failure is nothing more than fertilizer for future success. It's mm -hmm. temporary. And there's a lesson in it. One of the great things... Uh, that came out of Napoleon Hill's teaching is the fact that every adversity comes with a seed of a greater benefit. So if you've had a failure in your life, somewhere in there, there's an opportunity. Uh, you know, for me, losing my sight, I thought, where is the benefit in this? And then, uh, you know, I created a television network so that blind and visually impaired people, millions of them around the world, can access movies and television and educational programming and those sorts of things. So in every adversity, whether you failed yourself or, or you uh, became a victim of something going on, you can shrug off that victimhood and say, hey, uh, where's the opportunity here? Because there's always an opportunity. And I remember you saying that when you were told you're going to lose your sight and your whole dream of that NFL career because, you know, you were an athlete, um, that you were in that little teeny room in the back yeah. of your parents' house with no windows and no one could have been more depressed than you were. And Jim told me that at one point he just said, you know, God, I've just got to get out of the house. He was feeling sorry for himself. He went to, like, you know, the county fair, and yeah. uh, he just sat down in the stands, and then there was a performer that night, and you were just praying, please, God, show me that I have something left in my future. And then what happened? Yeah, I, I had gone to the fair that day, and I said, God, if you're real, you better show up today. Hmm. And I walked through there. I could still see to get around a bit on my own, and uh, but I knew it wouldn't be long until I was totally blind. And they had an exhibition of the Olympic team, and I saw the gymnasts and the runners and the boxers. Then they brought out the weightlifters, and I thought, that's something I could do. And a couple years later, I was a national champion, and I got to finish my career as an Olympic weightlifter. And then I walked on down the fair, and uh, it said free concerts, and that really fit my budget. I had no idea who was playing or when the show started, but I went and I sat on the front row. There was no one else there, and I prayed, and I cried a bit, and I thought about, you know, I'm never going to play football, and I'm never going to pursue my passion and all the things. And I just wanted to know that a blind guy could do something. And then a voice I will never forget mm. uh, as that arena filled up around me. And the first thing I realized is, man, this is a sold-out deal. And this voice says, uh, 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the State Fair the one, the only, the legend, Ray Charles. And they brought wow. Ray out, and he was about 12 feet away from me, and he was just magic. And, you know, I realized, okay, I get it, God. I mean, a blind guy can do some stuff here. And I, I, I realized Ray's kind of got this music thing covered, so I better go do something else. <laughs> and it was 10 years later, I was speaking in Madison Square Garden in New York, and the promoter held me over to speak again the following week and uh, invited me. He said, I have another act in town if you want to go, and he took me to opening night in Carnegie Hall. I was on the front row, and there was Ray again, and that was the beginning of a friendship that lasted in, until his passing a few years ago. You know, one thing you've told me is to, um, you know, in my years of knowing you and interviewing you, we do a weekly interview, and so I get a, fa- I get a lot of your time, and uh, you uh, talk about interviewing, um, having people mentor you, looking up to and learning from people who already have what you want. So talk about some of the people over the years that you've interviewed that you aspired to be like that have helped mold you into who you are. Well, I'm a firm believer in the idea of a dream team. And whenever I launch into a new venture, I ask myself, who's at the top of that field? And I tried to get them uh, on my team. And when I started in the television business, uh, I was doing something that was totally out of the box. And I thought, who's the biggest revolutionary in the TV industry? And at that time, it was Ted Turner, and I wrote him a letter uh, to one CNN Plaza in Atlanta and told him what it was I wanted to do and asked him to serve on my advisory board. And he, to this very day, I mean, that's been 30 years ago, to this very day, I, I am in touch with Ted Turner, and I ask his advice on things. And then when I went into the financial and investment realm, I reached out to Steve Forbes, and he became and still is to this day a great friend, has written the foreword to several of my books. And, uh, and uh, you know, when, when I went into the movies, and uh, I've had eight of my books now turned into movies, and, uh, you know, I called on people like Academy Award winner Louis Gossett and uh, James Garner and Brian Dennehy and Raquel Welch and Michael Landon and a lot of amazing people. And, um, you know, I have found that some of the greatest people in every field uh, if you'll reach out to them honestly and uh, be willing to be flexible, you'll find that they are uh, more than willing to help you. And that's that's been my experience. I'm not going to say every one of them is, but uh, uh, more than you need to get from where you are to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, in another one of your books that came out recently, it's called Top of the Hill, Learning to Think and Grow Rich at Napoleon Hill High School. And I know you've um, teamed up with the Napoleon Hill people, the foundation and you work with them pretty closely. But in that book, um, you're talking about a high school and uh, that basically they take a bad situation that could adversely affect their community uh, and their town, their school, and they use the principles that uh, Napoleon Hill speaks of in his book. And you talked about um, the the power of the mastermind group, the power of purpose, having faith, the power of going the extra mile, and uh, the lessons that would change their lives forever. Now, as I was going back through, because of course most of us have read that book, and it's amazing to me that you know he was born in the 1800s, and that to this day he still has such an impact on people. But some of these principles, like if you followed these, you would have a really successful life. And what are some of them that really stand out to you that have helped you in your life, that have inspired you in writing books like the one I just mentioned? Well, you know, I think uh, going the extra mile is always hard to beat. I mean, uh, you know, any anything worth doing is worth doing 
to our utmost ability. If it's not worth that kind of effort, don't do it at all. I mean, go first class or stay at home. And uh, one of my mentors, Coach John Wooden, always said, before you have any encounter, before you take on any task, before you have any meeting or phone call, just ask yourself one simple question. What would I do right now if I were amazing? Mm-hmm. Not adequate, not good, not above average. No, what would I do right now if I was amazing? And the answer to that question is the path to an amazing life. And Top of the Hill is my second in my Homecoming historical series. I took, um, they're all, all the novels and the movies are set in modern-day high schools. The first one's uh, One Season of Hope at Harry Truman High School. This is Top of the Hill at Napoleon Hill High School. And right now we're working on Will to Win at Will Rogers High School and Making Your Mark with Mark Twain and a number of these. And... Uh, You know, the kids have modern-day problems and challenges and things that we all experience in our life, but they get to learn a little about the namesake of their school. And uh, so it's a little like going forward into our future and going back into our collective history. That's good. You know, Jim, um, this is Beatrice Bruno. I'm the drill sergeant of life. and and, um, But you, sir, you epitomize... Um, the type of person that I would use as a mentor for success in life because you don't let anything stop you. I was just telling the ladies before this segment that, you know, people say that I I have a book to write, but I I just don't know what to do. Well, I'm looking at you. And, you know, you have no sight to see. However, you've got 42 doggone books out there. So what would you tell those folks that keep hemming and hawing and and making all these excuses about doing something that they know they're created to do? They know they have the skills to do, but they're still hemming and hawing saying, well, I just don't know if I can do that. Well, I always tell people, uh, you know, if you want to write a book, write down 12 things you know that you think everybody else ought to know. Mm Mm-hmm. And I always caution people, if you don't know 12 things people ought to know, don't write a book. (laughs) But if you know 12 things that people ought to know, write down those 12 things. And next to it, write down what do you know and how did you find out. That's good. And each of those is you, you state the principle and explain how it works, and then how did you find out is always a story. Mm-hmm. You know, I experienced this in my life in this way, and each of those 12 becomes a chapter, and before you know it, you'll have a book. I, you know, I, you know, when people tell me, I mean, I, I write books I can't read that are turned into movies I can't see, <laughs> and so it's really weird to me when people say, I can't write a book. Well, you, um, you either type or you find somebody that can type or you get a piece of paper and you write chapter one right uh-huh. there and then you start writing and the way to write good is to start out by writing bad that's right <laughs> thank you <laughs> one of the great uh, things that's happened in the last twenty years for uh, those of us who make at least a part of our living writing is they re-released ernest hemingway's uh, work called a movable feast and at the end of that book they put his notes that uh, had accumulated in the margins and things oh. on his various manuscripts and he had some of the early drafts there and you can see how bad a writer he was mm-hmm. on his first draft and you can also see he explains his doubts and fears and can i really write this and whatever mm-hmm. but he went ahead and wrote and uh, when i first started writing twenty years ago I went to a seminar, Mary Higgins Clark, the uh, the mystery writer, was putting on, and there were hundreds of people there. Everybody wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And 
she said, now everybody stand up if you want to be a writer. And everybody stood up, for the hundreds of us. She said, now, if you wrote something today, remain standing. The rest of you sit down. Hmm. About 95% of the people sat down. Mm-hmm. And she said, those of few of you still standing, you are writers. The rest of you used to be a writer. <laughs> we see writers <laughs> write good. every day. Wow. And, uh, and it's just a matter, you know, and people think... They have to feel something or go to the mountaintop and be inspired. <laughs> no, you, you start and you write. And you I write love and you that, Jim. And you refine and you work through it, and and um, slowly it, it turns into something worthwhile. Well, Jim, you've been such a blessing to me. I can't thank you enough for your friendship. Well, you were the best. All right, Jim Stovall, give us your website so we can find your 42 books. Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, Thank you, Jim. Be well. Hi, it's Angie. My favorite vacation spot in the world has a deal for you. It's YMCA of the Rockies. It's their 110th anniversary at the YMCA of the Rockies, and they're offering lodge rooms for $84 per night. My whole family stays in one lodge room. That deal is through the end of December and includes two free breakfasts every morning. And here's some of the things that are included. Some of these cost a little bit more, but most of them are free, like the roller skating, swimming. There's a Nordic Center. It's a little extra for rock climbing. You can learn how to do archery, horseback riding at Snow Mountain Ranch. The s'mores and the campfires are so much fun. Sometimes there's singing and sometimes there's movies. And we see this guy called the Mountain Man. My family loves this spot. We go at least twice a year. And we will be enjoying this offer ourselves as well. Again, it's the 110th anniversary. YMCA winter deals, 84 bucks for a lodge room. A family of five can sleep in one of these lodge rooms. And again, two free breakfasts per day. Check it out, YMCA. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Art Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303 303- 238-JANE, 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. They help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at ARC all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag, and I got it at ARC. I shop there, and I help others, and I donate my items items about once every month or two and I call 303-238-JANE and they come right to my house with a truck and they pick everything up. Here, check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE. Angie Austin and Billy Hollowell with Faithwire here and you may know the name at Missy Robertson from Duck Dynasty, that program, and she has a podcast and Billy, she shared quite a story of a drug addict's life being turned around by a little old woman who came to visit her in jail. Is that right? It is. And this is, I, I have really loved being part of this podcast, the Overcomers podcast with Missy, Missy Robertson. And one of the women, and this is a woman who actually works for Missy Robertson. She's interviewed a series of these women who have come out of all different circumstances, drugs, um, trafficking, uh, all different sorts of things they've come out of, and they're trying to restart their life. And so this particular woman, Erica, 
shared her story with us. And I'm actually on this podcast with Missy too. And Missy's sitting down talking to her about her story. Eric had gotten into drugs. She had a difficult childhood. She ran away, lived on the streets and using drugs turned into selling drugs. And so she, she shares this incredible story and we have this over on faithwire.com. You can listen to it and read it under our podcast section. But so she ends up in prison and um, because of selling drugs and it's really a heart wrenching story. She had a little girl uh, before she went to prison and, and was not able to see her little girl and was facing 20 years in prison. And I won't spoil the whole story, but what I will tell you is this little old woman came uh, to the prison from a church, from a ministry and talked to her about God and her purpose. And she was skeptical. And then she opened up her Bible and nothing was ever the same again. All right, let's take a listen. Well, she called me off my bed a little old lady. And I said, who, me? And she was like, yeah, come here. She was like, God has something in store for you. So I'm like, um, he can't have nothing in store for me because my little girl's gone to the state. My little girl's gone to my, into the state. I'm going back and forth to court. I don't know what these people are fixing to do to me. And, um, I just don't have no faith. I just, just my life has just been messed up. And now my child's is going to be messed up too. So she was like, he has something in store for you. You know, can I pray for you? And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? So she prayed, and um, she left. So the next time she came back, she said, get on up, come here. You know, and I was like, I don't feel like I'm tired, because at that time I was working in there. Like, you can work for the guards, serving trays, cleaning up, whatever. And that's me. I always have to be working. So I was working one shift, and then I ended up working two shifts. So I was always working. So I was in there sleeping, and I got up out of my bed, and um, I, I went out there to church and they just, it was just awesome. It was just awesome. Like the word and stuff. So I started getting up going to all the little sermons that would come if I wasn't working. And I started praying and the first thing I've ever done in my life that was just the right thing for me is I picked the Bible up. I've never opened the Bible a day in my life. And I did in jail. How old were you at that point? Uh, I was 32. And you had never opened the Bible before? Never. Wow. 32. You know how you go to Sunday school and you hear them talking about right. it? Right, but opening yeah. it yourself and yeah. actually reading it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's totally different. It's totally different. So I started reading it, you know, and I'm, I'm into it. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm walking around at work reading it. And I'm like, I can't put it down. You know, I, I want to know. I want to know what's next. And, you know, it's, it was an old lady in the populace, and she would help me with stuff to read, and, you know, what you know, what's going on in my life. So that's when I started praying, praying for real. You know, it's a difference between when you pray, Lord, help me get out of this, please, Lord. I'm going to make it right till I'm sincere. You know, Lord, I want to do this right. Isn't that amazing how one visit, like you wonder sometimes when you give your time or you talk to someone about faith and here this was life-changing. Yeah, it's crazy because you these stories, there are things that, and I've never had anything like that happen that dramatic, but there are things that I have talked to people about, and years later, you know, I had a friend, we we had a conversation in middle school, I mean, it's crazy, and he recently told me he has since become a Christian, something we had talked about when I, I don't even remember I was a kid, but I was a Christian at the time, and, you know, and I was talking about something that he remembered that conversation from being a kid, and that it actually helped him in, in his faith, and I thought, what an amazing thing, we just don't realize how God is going to use us at any point in our life. Um, and here you have this, these, all of these women, Erica, all these women who have talked to Missy Robertson on this podcast, overcoming these horrific things, many times bad decisions that they've made, um, and they're restarting their lives. And it's amazing to see how people along their way on the path have helped them in these simple and even large ways. Wow. 
Unbelievable. All right, Billy, faithwire.com. Always appreciate your positive stories. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.